wonderful morning already uh, to be blessed a number of ways this morning. I appreciate everyone so far who has led us in worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what a blessing you guys are and to allow me to be a part of that too. I appreciate that. Uh, this morning, well guys, we're looking at not an easy section of scripture to preach at. As a matter of fact, we are so blessed. And what we want to do is be as positive as we can. And, and, and you know, and we should be because we are victors. We're more than conquerors. We, we are blessed beyond measure by God who loves us deeply. And yet, we're looking at Job 3 this morning. And, and the truth is, I've never seen anybody memorize a verse out of Job 3. And, and the truth of the matter is, I've never seen a bumper sticker from Job 3. Why? Because Job is in so much pain that he vents the pain. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But there's value in the Scripture. And Scripture is true, and, and Scripture is revealed by God, but it doesn't always mean that the thinking there by some of the characters in the Scripture is right. And he is just venting the pain in his heart. I actually want to start a couple of verses before chapter 3. And we're just going to do verses 1 through 10 in our reading. But let's start at uh, 2 chapter 12 and go through 3 verse 10 for our scripture reading. So I'm going to ask uh, to find that and stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Follow along. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, May the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said, A boy is born. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and deep shadows claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm its light. That night may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day. Those who are ready to rouse levy at them. May its morning stars become dark. May it, be, may it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for loving us. And Father, for letting us. Be honest with you, God. Sometimes we're afraid to be honest because what's in our hearts is, well, it's not something you want known. But what's really awesome is that you know us. You know when we play games and you know when we're real. And you love us anyway. And Father, thank you that as Job poured out his heart, you didn't rebuke him. There's no record that you said, oh, Job, why did you say that? You just loved him, Lord. And I pray as we look at this section of Scripture, God, that we'd be reminded that you love us not only in the great times we brag about, but in the times we'd like to hide. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, a number of years ago, I was going through a, a, a tough time in, in ministry. And was just depressed, to be quite honest about it. And I'll never forget the words of a friend of mine. He said, Todd, you know, we're a lot like a sponge. If you ever see a sponge, it can only take so much liquid. And then it's full. It can only absorb so much. And when it gets to that point to where it's totally saturated, you got to squeeze the sponge out. you gotta, you, you got to let the liquid come out so it can be able to take more. He said people just get to a point where they can't take any more. As we look at Job, notice here in chapter 2 near the end, it says that his friends, they had come, they, they had stopped what they were doing, they were very concerned about their dear friend Job, and they wanted to see him, they wanted to let him know they, they loved him. And, and so, But when they saw him from a distance... They could hardly recognize him. And they began to weep aloud. They, they tore their robes. Why, he had had so much happen to him. And, and you know, as we go back and, and we read there in Job and in chapters 1 and 2, it's hard to believe it's the same guy in chapter 3. But when we see the, the pain experience, man, it, it was like one after another. Bam, 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 bam in chapter 1. As there was... The loss of all his properties and his, his livestock and, and his transportation line of camels and, 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 and then the servants. And then, of course, most of all, ten children who died. There's so much pain that brought him to his knees where, where he had to say, The Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He didn't know behind the scenes that there was this heavenly meeting between the great adversary, Satan, and the Lord God. Where Satan said, you know, if you take away his comforts, if you take away his stuff, he'll curse you, God. And God said, no, he won't. And, and so that was taken away. And then you come to the next chapter and his health is taken away. And, and, and you know, we went through that a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and where there was all this suffering and physical pain and, and, and this poor health. And, and But Job didn't know that all this was Round one and round two with the adversary. He didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And, you know, that's the case with us. We have questions. When pain comes, why? Why did this happen? Where did it come from? What's the source of this? What's the reason for this? Job didn't know there was this heavenly meeting going on. And, and we don't know the full picture. We only know a part. We only know the little bit that we can see. But as the scripture says, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. We, we don't get it all right now. We just get a small look. A, a, a small glance. Um, and we all know what uh, pain is like. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, many of us preachers quote and a lot of his uh, sermons we use from it. And he was prone to depression. And he'd spend days, he just couldn't get out of bed. He was so depressed. And yet God was doing all this work. All these people were getting saved. There was excitement in the church. And, and everything looked great. But Charles just said, just, he said, especially when God's getting ready to do something great, it seems like I get that much more depressed. He would struggle with that. He, he, would, he would suffer with that. And, and here, as we come to Job chapter 3, it's time for the sponge to be wrung out. 
Notice there in verse 13, we see that his friends came and sat with him for seven days and seven nights, and not a word was said. There was just this uh, silent compassion that was shown. But then he opened his mouth. Then the pain was poured out. And I just want you to... to, uh, Notice what he says here. And it's a time where he doesn't really want an audience. It's it's a time where he's come to the end and I believe he'd just like to scream, Leave me alone. Just 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 let me suffer. And and guys, it's hard to be positive with this as we you know, you go down through the chapter, verses one through ten, he regrets he was ever born. Verses eleven through nineteen, he says, I, I wish I'd have been stillborn. And then in verses twenty through twenty six, he says, Wow. He says, uh, uh, you know, just let me die. But yet he doesn't ever mention taking his life. He doesn't ever mention suicide here. He's he's just, the pain's got to come out. And thus it comes out through his life. And and just look at these, uh, I I will say wish verbs, but the use of the verb may. He's just talking. And by the way, as you get to chapter 3 up until chapter 42, this is known as a poetry in the scriptures. So don't sit here and take every little thought and word said as it having to be literal. What's more important is to feel Job's struggle, to feel his pain and trying to pick apart every single word. What is the meaning here? You know, sometimes when you talk to people, they'll give you a problem, but you know underneath that there's a lot deeper problem. It's more than what's on the surface. And as you look at these words, there is pain beneath what is even shared here. But I just want you to... Man, I mean, this guy is bummed out. Look at these May verbs, uh, chapter... Th- I mean, verse 3 in chapter 3. He says, May the day of my birth perish. And the night it was said, a boy is born. You know, that was the most precious celebration... Among God's people, the birth of a child. It was, it was such a wonderful time. You know, this, this baby comes and, and, and it's a sign of hope and it's a sign of life. And it's still a great time of celebration for us. And, and he says, I wish that day had never come. That's a, I wish it hadn't come. And, and then he said, may that day turn to darkness. And he says, may God above not care about it. It's like, God, may you not even worry about me. He says, may no light shine upon it. And then he goes deeper. He says, may darkness, deep shadow, claim it once more, deep shadow. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm its light. And then he says, that night may thick darkness, not just darkness, thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year. Just wipe it off the calendar, Lord. <laughs> he says, may that night be barren. No shout of joy heard in it. And it he says, may those who curse days curse that day, that day that I was born. And then he says, he mentions the, the Leviathan. It, it was a beast in mythology with seven heads. And, and it was said that eclipses were caused by this great sea creature would, would swallow the sun or swallow the moon and, and cause darkness. Now, I'm not saying Job believed this literally, but that was part of the, the Greek culture and, and part of the sayings and the fables and the stories that were told in that day and, and the beliefs of other peoples. And, and he took it and he just said, this is how down I am. This is how depressed and then he goes down the next section of Scripture. Notice as he says here, why do I not perish at birth? He says, 
didn't die as I came from the womb. He said, just stillborn, Lord, why not? And then at verse 12, he says, why were there needs to receive me and breast that I might be nursed? Of course, the picture here is as the baby is born. Some say, well, you know, you place the baby on the mother's knees as she prepares to nurse the baby, to breastfeed the baby. But also in the Hebrew culture, part of that was the dad would take the child, place the child on his knees, and in thanksgiving to God, bless that child. and Say, God, thank you for the birth of this child. May your blessing be upon this child as he enters into our family. And, and Father, may you just richly bless him and, and do this work. And, and, and Job says, I, you know, I wish none of that would have happened. And all this misery that I'm experiencing. And then he goes on, he, he says, I, I, you know, if, if, if I had been stillborn, I could be in heaven. Look what he says here in 13 through 15. He, as he shares, he says, I'd be lying down in peace. I'd be asleep and rest. I wouldn't have all this struggle. Man. And then he talks about I could be talking. He says I could be with kings and counselors and built this great stuff. He said, man, I could basically be talking to, to anybody I wanted to talk to. And it could be the celebration of asking questions and, and enjoying eternity and, and not have this that I'm dealing with. You know, you can't help but just feel the extent of his pain as he goes on, as he goes down through here. And then, and then he, he, he literally, as he gets to verse 20, just says, man, I just wish it in now. He talks about life to the bitter of soul and, 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 and the search. And then he even comes down to verse 24. He says, sign comes to me instead of food. He doesn't have any appetite. Matter of fact, the very sight of food upsets him because the last thing he's concerned about is eating. And what is going on here? What, 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 is, what are they talking about in the depth of this? It's not hard to figure out. He's depressed. He's deeply depressed. Now, I, you get down here to verse 25. Uh, look what he says. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded. Has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, only turmoil. I was so blessed and now I'm suffering. That's not supposed to be discussed in the church. What do we hear? God will take care of you. God will get you through this. God will bless you. God will take this away. Didn't happen. Now, just a heart to heart here. Uh. It hadn't been that long ago. Mental illness was the deep, dark secret. Deep depression was never to be discussed. Um, bipolar, never discussed. Because it wasn't supposed to be happening among God's people. It does. I have shared with you, and I won't spend any time at all on this, guys, but I grew up at home. My mother uh, had several conditions. One time she was taking like 30 medications. Slept most of the day. I didn't tell people that. Why? Because there was shame that came out in that. You know? But as Job shares here, he is deeply depressed. And it's no wonder because the sponge was full. It had to be wrung out. And there needed to be hope that was shared. God says, I won't necessarily take the storm away. 
And I may just be with you through the storm. That's what Job discovered was his presence. I want to uh, close with a a few thoughts. Uh, There are days too dark for the sufferer to see light. There are experiences too dark for the sufferer to find hope. And there are valleys too deep to find relief. But Corey Tinboom once said, There's no pit where God is not deeper stilled. Now, I'm not talking about those people who, you know, they never see anything good. Everything's always wrong. And that they want to manipulate. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are genuinely struggling with these things. And and I want to share with you a testimony. Because, you know, we have this thing of almost like, well, you know, the really godly people. The people that really walk close with God. They don't deal with any of this. I was kind of looking for an example. And I ran across this testimony that was written down. And I want to to read it. Take a little bit as our closing. Just to give you an idea that uh, godly people can get depressed too. I was sexually, mentally, emotionally, and verbally abused by my father as far back as I can remember until I left home at the age of 18. He did many terrible things, some of which are too distasteful for me to talk about. But I want to share my testimony because so many people have been hurt. They need to realize someone's made it through their struggles so they can have hope. More than anything, I want you to know and really understand that anyone who's been abused can truly recover if they give their life completely to Jesus. Abuse is defined as to be misused, used improperly, be wasted, or to use in such a way as to cause harm or damage, to be treated cruelly. Anytime we're misused or used for a purpose other than what God intended, it's damaging. I realize many people can relate to this. My father was a mean, controlling, manipulative person most of his life. He was unpredictable, unstable. As a result, the atmosphere of our home was supercharged with fear because you never knew if what you did would make him mad or not. We always did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. We watched what he wanted to watch on TV, went to bed when he went to bed, got up when he got up, ate the meals he wanted us to eat. Everything in our home was determined by his moods, what he wanted. The sexual abuse started when I was young. And when he decided I was mature enough, he took things further. My father, whom I was supposed to be able to trust, who was supposed to keep me safe, was the person I came to fear the most. I was so profoundly ashamed by this. I was ashamed of me. I was ashamed of my father. There's no place I felt safe. At school, I pretended I had a normal life. I felt lonely all the time, different from everyone else. I never felt like I fit in. I wasn't allowed to participate in after-school activities. Many times, I had to make up stories about why I couldn't do anything with my classmates. What I learned about love was perversion. My father told me what he did to me was special because he loved me. He said everything he did was good. had to be our secret because no one else would understand. would cause problems. It became my burden not to let my pain cause others uh, problems in our family. As long as I kept this secret, I couldn't get free from the pain. You may be wondering, where's God in all this? He was there. He didn't get me out of the situation when I was a child, but he did give me the strength to get through it. 
It's true, my father abused me and didn't love and protect me the way he should have. And at times it seemed no one would ever help. And it would never end. But God had a plan. And he redeemed me. He's taken what Satan meant for harm and turned it into something good. He's taken away my shame and given me a double reward and recompense. It may seem impossible, but God's truth has set me free from a life of pretense and lies and has restored my soul. I'm living proof nothing's too hard for God. And no matter what you've been through or how bad you have been hurt, there's hope. Now, I'm telling you my story. You need to know how good God is and that your struggle's worth it. If you give your life to Christ and really trust God, you can be completely healed and restored. And so you can live the life Jesus died for you to have. Don't give up. Joyce Meyer. I don't know where your pain is. One thing I love about the Psalms as you read through the Psalms is how honest they are. You read in the Psalms and you read about how great God is, how glorious God is, how he's at work. And all of a sudden you read about God, kill my enemies, wipe out my enemies. And and it's like that doesn't fit. What happens in these ancient songs? The writer's just bearing his heart out to God. And here's the cool part. No matter what you tell God. He doesn't hold it against you and he doesn't tell anybody else. He's a God that loves us and, and, and He knows us. He knows our hearts and He, he knows the pain as well as the, the mountaintops. And, 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 and He says, I'll get you there. I'll get you there. Let's pray. Lord, uh, kind of a tough message, Lord, because uh, we, we don't want to talk about uh, the pain and the failure and all of that, Lord. But God, we, as we come to You... Uh, and as we sing, Father, thank you that it's all about your amazing grace that has come to pay the price for our sin, that has come to remind us that we are loved and that regardless of the deep pain that we feel, there is forgiveness and there is, Father, hope. <laughs> so, Lord, in your power and in your way, Father, may we follow you and find forgiveness of an invitation to come and to say to these people God's people I have vowed to receive Christ into my heart to find forgiveness in a new start (laughs) Father or maybe it's this is the place where I need to join a place where I need to to plug in to be a part of the body of Christ this church body or maybe there's some other decision of, of ministry or or, Father, something that you're working in hearts and, and we need to tell your people, Lord. Maybe it's just to pray and to come forward at the altar and to bow our hearts before the God who listens and loves. Uh, Father, whatever your call, I pray we'd say yes and follow. In Christ's name, amen.